Moncrief on News Talk. Stuff that changed the world. The mobile phone. The internet changed the world. Penicillin, I would have thought. I would say sanitation. It changes everything. Now, ironically, earlier on in the show, we were uh, talking about uh, how to rewild Ireland and plant lots of trees. Now, with Simon Tierney, we're going to talk about the most efficient way of chopping them down. I, I, of course, we are talking about uh, the chainsaw, which, again, surprisingly, I would have thought 20th century invention, not so. No, no, indeed. It goes back, goes back a, a much further way than that, Sean. Are you a... Chainsaw owner, a proud chainsaw owner? I'm not, you know. I don't think I've ever used one. I'm shocked. I'm shocked too, actually, come to think of it. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you're telling me that you've never in your life owned a chainsaw. You no, keep one I, in the. In I the... never need. No, I mean, obviously, I, I, I've thought about it. You know, at some future point when I do commit mass murder, uh, and uh, pretty much everybody here is for the chop. <laughs> uh, but uh, but I haven't kind of looked into you know what's the best brand, what one you know scatters the most blood, that kind of thing. Yeah, you got to watch Dexter for yeah. that. There is a famous okay. episode. But like, um, for me, like for a lot of people. The chainsaw is kind of the ultimate symbol of virile masculinity. It's a dream of mine. I had two <laughs> dreams when I was a kid. One was to own an apartment with a balcony. Okay. Check. Got that Check. one. Woo. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> the second one is to own a chainsaw. Now, right. I live in an apartment. You are familiar floor. with the I'm a lumberjack sketch on Monty Python. <laughs> yes, I am indeed. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> but I live in an apartment on the second floor and they're just, I can't justify owning. No. In, in a very built up area. I no. mean, there are literally no trees for me to chop down. <laughs> if I left my apartment block wielding a chainsaw, the police would be called immediately. I think. Oh, you can imagine that somebody in your home, if people I come rolling up a chainsaw I might have one or two questions to ask so yeah uh, are they expensive? Oh god I didn't check that I'd say yeah. they are I mean probably a couple of hundred euro I mean you don't want to skimp on a chainsaw you want to get one that okay. that is yeah. a reliable one and we'll get to the uh, statistics w- with regard to injury uh, <laughs> later Sean but as you say it does very much predate the 20th century it was invented um as an instrument for facilitating childbirth, two Scottish what? surgeons. Whoa. Yeah, <laughs> Roll I'll back the bus there. there. <laughs> Did you say facilitating childbirth? Yeah. Uh, bear with me for a moment because it's, it'll make sense, but okay. excruciating sense in a moment. Right. Okay. 1780, ah. two Scottish surgeons by the name of John Aitken and James Jeffrey, they uh, wanted to speed up a process. At that time, the C-section did exist, but it was very, very rare. And with C-sections, the mother never survived. Yeah. Um, it was only to save the baby's life. They were very, very rare. People didn't do them. So if the baby was coming down in the breech position, then the surgeon would take a knife to the pelvic bone to make way for the child to be delivered. But it was, it took a long time. Sorry, I'm just looking at your face now. (laughs) Dawning pain on your face. Um, It took a long time. And also, of course, this is pre-anesthesia. So it was very, very painful. sweet Jesus. Yeah, so these two surgeons had the idea, is there some way that we can speed up this process? And they invented the world's first chainsaw. How do I describe this, Sean? I did tweet a picture earlier. It looks like maybe the size of a a roast beef carving knife, something similar to that Mm. sort of size. It has an oval chain link on it with very small, tiny, sharp teeth. And this is obviously pre-motorization. It is hand cranked. Right. It's like an old school whisk for, okay. for whisking cream. Um, 
And this is to perform a symphysiotomy, which is something that I've never heard before. I've heard of an episiotomy, but not a symphysiotomy. This is where part of the pelvic bone will be cut and the cartilage surrounding it in order to make way for a breech baby or a particularly large baby or perhaps if you're having twins or something like that. I'm not sure. I'm not a medical, but uh, a medic. But um, this is what they used, this what they called a chain saw because the teeth were on this chain. Sure. And it sped up the process. Now, it was obviously very, very painful. The but mother. at least <laughs> it took, it was quicker yeah. than the previous way of doing it, which was with um, a sharp knife. It was successful. Um, and this was used for symphysiotomies throughout the late 18th and throughout the 19th centuries before uh, C-sections became uh, safer to undertake. Um, if, you know, if, if a baby had to be delivered in that way. Yeah, that is that is the most terrifying. I didn't expect that it to, to start at that point. I know, I yeah. know. It's, it's really shocking because we associate chainsaws with two things. It is probably first uh, with a pair of urbanites like ourselves, Sean. We think of horror movies mm. and it, the, as an instrument of torture. Uh, but uh, it's also, of course, an important tool in the logging industry. Um, <laughs> and with somebody, to some surgeon go, hang on, I not just cutting pelvises in half, I could chop down a tree with this I'm as well. Can I borrow this? I'm bring this home <laughs> and cut down the Christmas tree. Um, yeah, so eventually it evolved into a woodworking tool. Now I'm thinking of Chevy Chase in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation when he <laughs> brings the chainsaw out to cut down the Christmas tree. Um, Everything changes, I suppose, in the early 20th century, Sean. This is where the story gets interesting in the sense that it takes on the role that we understand it to have now. And this is a German man, a very famous brand now of power tools. Uh, but there's a man behind the name and that is Andreas Stihl, mm. S-T-I-H-L. A very, very a giant of the power tool world. He is fondly remembered as the father of the chainsaw. Okay. We always have a father of, of these inventions, yeah. Sean. It's always inevitable. But no mother in this case. She's no. had her pelvis sawn in half. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. He was a mechanical engineer and he was actually working as a consultant in a sawmills in Germany uh, pre-Second World War, 1920s. And he had an epiphany one day and his epiphany was, this is a famous quotation attributed to Andreas Steele. He said, the saw must go to the tree, not the tree to the saw. Like Moses in front of okay. the Red Sea. So the idea was that these loggers were dragging uh, the trees to the sawmill and it was all very laborious and heavy lifting and inefficient mm. uh, business model. So he wanted to create a much smaller saw, mechanical saw that you were able to maybe use with one or two people. So in 1927, he launched the world's first motorised chainsaw. This was electric, which is interesting. Ah. We come across that a lot on this slot where inventions which are very common now actually started with electricity because electric electric motors were very popular in the turn of the century um, before the combustion engine. But... Um, it was a four horsepower uh, machine and it 
needed to be used by two people. Let me describe this to you. Again, it's quite a terrifying looking machine. It was very, very heavy. It was 46 kilograms in weight. So that's far too heavy for a single person yeah. to, to lift. This isn't something that you are, you know, taking down from the top shelf in the shed. Um, it was quite long. It the, the, the main part of it, it looked like the handlebars of a bicycle, kind of that chevron shape. And the primary logger held on to that part. And then at the other side, the secondary logger held on to a handle on that side. And this uh, this first steel uh, chainsaw was only used for uh, what you call in the industry, I suppose, trimming um, and hmm. jointing. So it wasn't for actually felling a tree. Three years later, in 1929, he invented the first felling chainsaw. Again, that was a two-person operation, but it was powered by petrol and that made it considerably more powerful and it was actually able to fell a tree uh, on its own, which was an incredible breakthrough. Right, okay. And I suppose that that's kind of a, a revolutionary thing then. Uh, but I suppose that it was still a two-person job. That must have made it... It was. It was a two-person job. Uh, everything changed when aluminium was invented in the post-war period. Sean, this made things lighter. By the end of the 1950s, we've got one-man so, uh, chainsaws, about 12 kilograms in weight, which is still very heavy when you consider that chainsaws mm. nowadays tend to be around four or five kilograms, I understand, in in weight. So it took a long time for it to to become something that was popularly used even in the logging industry, let alone, um, you know, suburbanites getting them to beef up their masculine image or or what have you, uh, because literally the materials were just too heavy. Yeah. And now, uh, what what was Leatherface? Um, Leatherface will be familiar to listeners who have watched the 1974 classic, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, I always thought that he was responsible for making the chainsaw what it is, this terrifying instrument of torture in Mm. the popular imagination. But we actually have someone else to thank, the late, great Wes Craven, um, who made a lot of famous uh, slasher movies in the 70s, 80s and 90s. He had a little known now movie called The Last House on the Left, which he released in 1972. And that was one of the first ever of many, many subsequent movies that have used the chainsaw as an instrument of torture. And I was watching the trailer for that just before I came in. Very, very famous trailer, because in the trailer, it said, to avoid fainting, remember to repeat yourself during the movie, it's only a movie. <laughs> you can't buy that but, kind but, of publicity. No, I mean, <laughs> that's that genius. was just a brilliant PR move, wasn't it? Yeah. Now, but, but chainsaws are dangerous. Are there, are there many uh, are there figures on, like, injuries or fatalities even? For sure, yeah. Well, there's 36,000 chainsaw injuries in the US alone each year. Now... Most people who are using chainsaws, most people in general, are right-handed, Sean. Mm. So that means you can imagine the most vulnerable part of the body and the parts of the body that are presented in A&E rooms around the world each year as a result of chainsaw accidents are the left leg and the left arm. Yeah. They are very, very vulnerable because the biggest cause of chainsaw accidents is isn't actually necessarily having a finger cut off or something. It's about kickback. So when yeah, the chain yeah. hits something hard or hits something that's going against the grain, 
you get a really big kickback. Like if you were to operate a, a shotgun or a rifle. Um, now in Ireland, we do have some figures. The latest figures I could find were from 2015. And we know that in that year in this country, there were 120 serious injuries from chainsaws, um, which is quite a lot, really, when mm. you think about it. I mean, they really are very, very dangerous and they require proper training to use them. Because I suppose maybe that might be a lot of people because that kickback thing. Now, I do have a circular saw uh, and that kicks back as well. Sometimes you just have to you just have to position yourself in such a way that if it does, your leg isn't beside. The, now, what are you guard. using that for, Sean? That, but that's to cut wood and things like okay. that. Uh, um, but, 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 and it has a guard that can come down. But you oh, could I know actually, the one you're talking but about. But you could yeah, actually yeah, yeah, slice yeah. through your, your leg quite easily. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah, you have yeah, to yeah. make sure you're not in the line of fire uh, if yeah. that happens and uh, you of course you need to wear the the um, glasses and everything yes uh, Bill says do people really own chainsaws I thought I had passed all of the adult milestones but apparently not uh, someone else says I can confirm that my local DIY store which shall remain nameless chainsaws can range from 119 to 289 Oh, less than I expected. They're affordable then. Uh, My sister is a horticulturalist, so has her chainsaw license. She goes nuts when people don't have the correct gear and training. Uh, you can't rent a chainsaw, says another texter. Too dangerous, apparently. Uh, someone else says, my uncle says, having a, a chainsaw ticking away under the bed at night is a great way to combat any would-be burglars. Not a great way to get a good night's sleep, I would have thought either. Uh, Kieran says, I work for a tree surgeon company, but not on the ground or in the trees. Uh, having seen the skill the guys I work with have with a chainsaw, along with all the protective gear, there's a lot, and all their qualifications, I, I reasserted my decision, never to own or operate a chainsaw. So yeah, there is actual Well, I'm really interested you in your texture there saying that they have a chainsaw license. Yeah. Uh, so do you need a chainsaw license in this country to legally operate one? I'd like to know that. Yeah, I'd like to know that too. Makes sense actually though. Uh, and at the start of this, Simon did say that actually his, you know, he has dreamed of owning one. Uh, Stephen says, Simon's dream is to have a chainsaw. It's not exactly Martin Luther King, is it? Uh, well, no, he will use the chainsaw to combat uh, racism in all its many forms. Simon, thanks a million for coming into us. Simon Tierney there. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on Newstalk. Moncrief on Newstalk.